0: Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast, Your Expert Advantage, a higher level of management consulting. This podcast is produced by the Canadian Association of Management Consultants, CMC Canada. My name is James Grieve, and today I'm joined by my co host, Ashka Work. We are both certified management consultants, or CMCs, based in BC and members of CMC Canada. Our aim with this podcast is to provide members of the business community, management consultants and their clients, as well as aspiring management consultants with great thought leadership, case studies and actionable info in a conversational format. We hope that you'll be able to take this information back to your workplace for discussion and implementation. And As part of this podcast, we'll be telling some great stories from those who have their certified management consultant designation or that add value to the profession. We'll also show you the value of CMC, the profession's only international certification recognized in over 40 countries. In this episode, our guest is Michael Zapersky, the co-founder and CEO of Consulting Success. He specializes in helping entrepreneurial consultants grow profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. He has advised organizations like Financial Times, Dow Jones, Royal Bank of Canada, and has helped Panasonic launch new products into global markets. But more importantly, he's helped over 1,000 consultants from around the world in over 75 countries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. To date, over 50,000 consultants read his weekly consulting newsletter. Michael is also the author of the Amazon bestsellers Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty, The Elite Consulting Mind, and The Book Consulting Success. Good afternoon, Michael. Thanks for joining us today on the uh, CMC, Your Expert Advantage podcast. Really looking forward to this episode. And um, first, as we dive into our our podcast today, tell us a little bit
1: about yourself and consulting success and the clients that you work with. Sure. Uh, First of all, great to be uh, with both of you today. Uh, So I've been building consulting businesses for the last 23 years. sounds sometimes funny to say that because it's it's been so long, but... uh, 13 of those last years, uh, we've been working exclusively with consultants all around the world uh, through ConsultingSuccess.com, helping them to build uh, more profitable, scalable, and strategic consulting businesses. Uh, We've worked with thousands of consultants uh, in many different industries, really helping them to grow their consulting businesses in a way that supports the lifestyles that they want to have uh, and the impact that they want to create. So it's uh, what we do day in, day out and have a lot of fun doing it. What sounds, got you into right. this business in the first place, Michael? Uh, so I, going back um, to the first consulting business that that we ran, um, I, I will, I'll, I'll fast forward and then I'll, I'll come back. So the way that consulting success got started was that Sam, who's my cousin and co-founder in this business, and we built and, and sold different businesses over the years... We were at a family barbecue one year. We had built a bunch of these businesses and we said, let's do something again together, but this time let's do it online. So this was early-ish days of, of kind of doing business online. Uh, and we thought about, you know, where do we have a lot of experience and recognize that uh, in many of these different businesses that we had run together, uh, they were consulting related businesses. So we started consulting success really without it being a business, rather uh just being a place where we would share information about you know, what we had gone through, like all the challenges, the successes uh, with the goal of helping people to accelerate their own success and hopefully avoid a lot of the mistakes that we had made. Uh, and so it was just a place for us to put up articles and best practices. Um, But that was ba- on the back of building consulting businesses. I took one to um, open up a branch office for one of our consulting companies in Japan, work f- with some very large Japanese organizations over there, helping them to Communicate and market more effectively to English-speaking markets. Uh, ran a lead generation consulting business that uh, serviced professional services firms, so other consultancies, uh, accounting businesses, investment firms, insurance—all uh, with the goal of helping them to to generate more leads. So it was all really about building businesses and consulting businesses. And um, as we were doing that, started consulting success as a way to share, and that just took off with. A lot of consultants saying, hey, you know, like the articles you guys are putting out are really helpful. Do you have a course that we could learn from? And at that time we didn't. So we mm-hmm. decided to build one. And then people went through the course saying this was very helpful. Do you have a way that we can work more closely with you? At that time we didn't. So we put together a coaching program. Um and again, now fast forward to current day, we've had thousands of people go through these programs, but it's really just been based on uh the demand and the feedback that we've received from the marketplace.
2: Nice. And uh, you talked about um, sharing best practices and uh, to address some challenges uh, that your that your clients are are facing. So what are some of those common challenges that you're hearing from consultants as they are trying to build their consulting practices?
1: Yeah, I mean one of the most common is just really having a strategic plan for for growth um, and one that allows you as a consultant or a consulting firm owner to attract ideal clients consistently. I'm sure you know you all, hear this as well or see this with those that, that you work with uh, in the community, but being able to attract clients consistently, have a marketing system in place that truly helps you to, to bring in those ideal clients. And one that you can feel very confident around is something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, but it's, it's critically important so that you don't end up in a position where you only are relying on referrals uh, and your network. So that would be a, a really big one that, that we see pretty consistently.
2: Yeah, a bit ironic considering that's a lot of what we advise our clients on.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. Although I'd say that, you know, quite often. So the, the strategic plan, hundred percent, right? I mean, I think that's, it's, it's almost always easier to look at somebody else's business or situation and be able to from, a, from the external and see opportunities as opposed to when you're inside the business and you're just so busy with the day to day. Uh, you often don't have that kind of strategic vantage point. But for a lot of consultants, what we've experienced over the years is that many of them don't actually have a lot of, background in sales or marketing or building a consulting business. And so you might have deep expertise. And whether that's in, you know, a technical, scientific, maybe you're you're in branding, maybe you're in agriculture, it doesn't really matter what that, sure. that kind of sector is or the industry is, but you have that expertise. So you can help people, you can help organizations, you can help leaders, you can make an impact. But you don't have the experience of actually building a business. And so that's where um, we have a lot of people who are true experts at what they do, but they don't really know how to effectively market or or sell inside of their
2: business. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really like what you said there,
0: Michael, about the ideal client, because I think once you understand your ideal client, you're more proactive in your business and not, as you mentioned, being reactive and waiting for referrals there. So I just want to elaborate on that a little bit and Based on your experience, what are some of the steps that consultants can, can make and do to increase the likelihood of their success, especially when they're starting a new consulting practice mm. or building their existing consulting business?
1: Yeah, I think one of the most important ones is to realize the, the difference between building and getting out of the building. Uh, and so what I mean by that is consulting is all about conversations and creating relationships. Right Again, you can be very good at what you do, but if you don't have clients, you're not going to have the opportunity to provide that expertise and and to make an impact. And if you look at consulting and the whole process of marketing and consulting business, if you reverse engineer it, every consulting you know engagement is the result of a conversation. Uh, this is B2B, right? Whether you're serving nonprofits or for-profits, it's very different than marketing and selling in the B2C world where somebody might just click a button and and make a purchase. So you always have to have a conversation. Yet yeah, what, what many consultants kind of find themselves in a place of they're building. They're working on a plan, they're working on updating their website, they're updating their, their logo, they're tinkering with, you know, something that makes them feel like they're actually being productive in growing their business. Yet those things are often easy to do because they're not the hard things of getting out of the proverbial building to actually have the conversation. But again, when we look at what creates success in this business, it's having conversations with ideal clients and building relationships. That doesn't happen when you're just hiding behind your computer screen doing work that you might feel productive in doing, but it's not the real work that builds a successful consulting business. That makes a lot of sense.
2: In your work, Michael, you've talked about um, two pillars that you think must be in place before you start marketing your consulting practice. Because I think in your in your last piece, you were talking about that part of, sure. of growing your business. Do you want uh, to t- share those um, with, with our listeners and, and tell us a bit about those?
1: Yeah. I mean, when consultants say that they have a problem with their, their marketing, and that's, mm-hmm. again, a very common kind of challenge that people have, yeah. right? Is being able to attract clients, build a, a thriving pipeline. People often believe that their marketing is the problem. but in almost all situations, when we do a bit of an analysis you know with our clients and look at what's really going on, like lift up the, the hood and kind of take a look inside, it's the marketing itself isn't the problem, right? There's a lot of different marketing tactics. So people talk about should I be spending time on LinkedIn or my website or on ads or this, that or or the other. But if you don't have a couple of these foundational elements, then you could do all the marketing. you have the, the biggest budget in the world and you're probably not going to see the kind of results that, that you want. And so the two are, number one, what we call ideal client clarity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we referred to this earlier, but it's it's having a, a real understanding of who your ideal client is. And it's just as important to know who your ideal client is not. So saying things like, you know, I work with, um, you know, business owners. That's very broad. Right? that you're gonna have a real hard time developing any kind of marketing or messaging that's going to communicate and get the attention and interest of that ideal client because it's not going to resonate with them because they don't it's just it doesn't feel like it's uh, it's speaking to them. So really getting very clear about who your ideal client is becomes extremely important for your marketing. It also ties into the next piece which I'll talk about called the the magnetic message. But it's also important because for most independent consultants or, or small consulting firms, They have very limited time and resources where they can actually spend on on marketing. And if you're casting a very broad net, trying to speak to and win business from a lot of different types of people, you're not going to be effective in those efforts because you're giving a very small percentage of your time to try and connect with any one industry or any one person. So the more focused that you can be about truly identifying exactly who your ideal client is, it means that you can now devote your time to attracting those people But it also now allows you to go to the the next step, which is called the magnetic message. And the magnetic message essentially is a message that you develop with the sole goal of getting the attention and interest of your ideal clients. Today, more than ever before, we all have more options, more variations uh, and opportunities in front of us. it's the same thing for the buyer of consulting services. There's more choice than they've ever had before. So how do you get their attention and interest in a world where everybody is vying for their attention and interest. Like I'm sure Ashka and James, you, you also probably are inundated with emails or messages on LinkedIn or different platforms of people just trying to sell you stuff or saying, you know, I can do this for you, I can do that for you. Everybody gets that. And so if you are a consultant wanting to get the attention and interest of your ideal client, you can't have a general message. You can't try it and be all things to all people. So number one, being very clear about who your ideal client is. Number two, developing a magnetic message that gets the attention interest of your ideal clients. And this is why it now connects to marketing. Because if you don't have those two elements, you can do any kind of marketing that you want. But if you're not speaking to the right person, or if you don't have a message that gets their attention, it's just going to fall on, you know, kind of on on deaf ears, and they're not going to pay attention to it. And so you're not going to really see the kind of progress that you want. And that's why we always say that you want to get those two locked in first. Then you can attach it to any kind of marketing, as long as the right kind of marketing to reach your ideal client, whether it's speaking, writing articles and trade publications, going on podcasts, doing YouTube videos, sending emails, LinkedIn. But you're, when you create those materials in whatever format or structure they come in, they now will be geared specifically to your ideal client, which resonates more with them, which means that it's going to get their attention. So they actually want to have a conversation with you.
2: Yeah, for sure. And why I mean, so this, these two pillars of, of ideal client clarity and, and the magnetic message, why is it so hard?
1: Yeah, so the, the most common reason, and this is, I have to say, probably one of the hardest things for new consultants mm-hmm. is because it feels like you're being put, kind of pushed into a corner, right? You need to mm. essentially eliminate. You have to say no to things. And most people have the belief that the the wider they go, right? The kind of the bigger the net that they can put out there, the more that they're going to attract. Um, and so that it's it's kind of you know going against the kind of the conventional wisdom or that the belief that most of us have, which is that to grow a business you need to always add more. But if you study the most successful businesses in the world, especially at their earlier stages, the way that they grew wasn't through addition; it was through subtraction. And so that requires that we really focus. And and are clear on who are we not going to target? Who are we? Yes, of course we can provide these five different services to these ten different types of people, but which one do we feel we can generate the best result? Which one are we going to enjoy? Which one is going to create the most you know profit? Where do we have uh, the most access or the ability to see results soonest in terms of being able to create more conversations? There's there's several criteria that we take our clients through to help them to kind of narrow in on this. It's through a, an exercise we call the niche scoring method. But it's critical to identify this because otherwise you're going to end up spinning your wheels, throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, hoping that something sticks and probably seeing very little from your efforts. But by being focused, it feels again like you're making the, the, the pond kind of smaller, but it's always better to be a big fish in a small pond than to be a little minnow in a vast ocean from a marketing perspective.
2: Yeah, there's that real fallacy, I think, around or what you called the conventional wisdom around, you know, more is is better. Actually, I think we, you know, we live in this world where authenticity is super important and people can, you know, you kind of suss out or warning bells go off when you're in a conversation with someone um, about how they can help you. And the answer is, well, what do you need help with Mm -hmm. versus here is here's exactly what my my area of expertise my passion my interest uh is and here's how i can help you and being really shameless about and i'll let you know when i can't help you and bring mm-hmm. bring you others who can because i think that's making the pond deeper
0: i love what you said there and is there a tipping point that comes in as you niche down that then you actually just get more referrals. So we talked about referrals being reactive, but that's being proactive. But is there a point where it tips where you just become so trusted within an industry or within an ideal client group that then
1: the referrals start to come
0: in that way? Are
1: you experiencing that with clients or how does that work? hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, marketing when early on, so what we see with most consultants, and this, we do a lot of studies a Consulting Success to kind of look at marketing landscapes and the fee landscape and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we, we see, 50% of consultants uh, say that their first client has, come, uh, has been a previous employer, right? So uh, a large portion of consultants find that their uh, initial kind of wave of business will come through their network and referrals. Some people will be able to kind of carry that on for a period of time. But uh, what happens in almost all cases is that you'll reach some point where that isn't enough. And so you do need to then start marketing. But again, when you start marketing, it's, you know, what do you want to be known for? Uh, and so, if you establish yourself enough in that marketplace, if you are consistent with putting out content, uh, and you're really focusing on a specific ideal client, the, the market can't help but notice who you are and that you have deep expertise. And so, now as that market as that marketplace has you know a need, they're not going to go out and try and find somebody uh, if you've already been there, showing up consistently. So you do reach that tipping point where the marketplace really recognizes you, knows who you are knows what you are actually an expert in and then starts to come to you. So that tipping point is is very clear. Getting to that point for many people is hard. It, it can often feel like you're, you know, you're not really seeing the results and, you know, should you change path or go a different direction? But once you once you reach it, James, it's a really beautiful place to be because you'll find that you don't have to go out to quote-unquote market as much anymore. Instead, people are just coming to you, right? They're just sending you emails, filling in your forms, giving you a call, contacting you on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and that's when you know you've kind of reached that tipping point.
2: Excellent. I read an article um, as you're talking, uh, Michael, this this kind of tweaked me. I read an article recently, I think it was an HBR, around how um, consultancies, big, medium, small, independent, yeah. there's, there's a trend towards leaders in, in consulting organizations um, being less, um, focused on thought leadership or, or, you know, elevating to these leadership positions within consulting organizations without that, without that presence, I guess, in the marketplace, whereas that was something that was much more prevalent, um, previously, I guess, what are your thoughts Mm. on, on, on that? Or does that resonate with you? Is that what you're noticing? And it kind of links to what you're saying too, about, you know, leaning into an area of expertise or it's, it's, is linked to that. Just wanted to get your thoughts on
1: that. Yeah, no, I'd be interested to, to see that study because uh, it's not one that I'm, I'm familiar with. Uh, I can't think really of any business uh, or, or leader in any successful consulting firm that I know or have come across that isn't thinking about maintaining their presence or expanding their presence in, in yeah. the marketplace. And it can, it can come in many formats. I mean, I, I think one of the common mistakes that consultants make and this also happens in different industries, even beyond consulting is that people look at an established, let's say consulting firm in this case, and they look at, um, you know, for example, their website or all their different service offerings or all the different capabilities. And the earlier stage consultant goes, well, they're successful. So I should do what they, you know, what they're doing right now. What th- that person is missing though is that you're not where they are today. So there's many things that that company or that leader did to get to where they are. A classic example of this that I've shared in some workshops is if you look at a consulting firm like L.E.K., which one of the, the founders was Richard Koch. Richard Koch is quite well known for being the 80-20 kind of principal guy that took that concept and you know wrote many books about it. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, you look at their website today and L.E.K. has you know thousands of, of employees. They have many different capabilities. And you would say, oh, like this company, this consulting firm provides everything to everyone. The challenge, though... Is that if you try and fall in line with that, LEK is already an established name. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to try and be like McKinsey. Well, you don't try and be like McKinsey because McKinsey is McKinsey. You need to you need to be you. You need to figure out what is your strength. What do you truly want to be known for? And the interesting thing about LEK, and you can do this in almost every example, like Stripe as a payment processor as well. You go back in time. You look at their website when they first started. They didn't start having 25 capabilities. They started with a focus around M&A. Uh, and, and shareholder valuation advisory services. That's where they saw the gap in the marketplace because, you know, BCG, um, and McKinsey and others weren't offering that. They weren't, they didn't have that expertise. LEK came in and saw that, that opportunity. They took hold of that. That's what essentially allowed them to grow. Once they built up to a certain level, they were able to add on more resources, more capabilities. But very early on, I think it's it can be dangerous to look at what leading firms are doing and just mm-hmm. think that you can do the exact same things. Because there's typically many different steps that they've taken that were necessary to get to where they are today. And if you just try and do what they are doing today, you're probably missing some of those key kind of you know, in-between steps.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean, you you started your your this this conversation with us by saying there's you know there's one thing it, it's one thing to stand behind your screen and do what what might be busy work, but another to get out there literally in the market and have conversations. Yeah. And so much easier to have conversations around things that you are that are specific, uh, relevant, that you're excited about, um, and you can't can't be everything.
1: Yeah, I would just add one thing to that too, Ashka, which is that you know most organizations are. Uh, or I'd say leaders of consult, leaders of firms, or buyers of consulting services, mm. uh, they're they're looking for experts. They're not yeah. looking for generalists because in most firms, they're they already have generalists. Like most companies are filled with generalists. They're not looking for another generalist, right? If if that was what the, the case, they already have the solution that they need. So the reason they're looking for external guidance and support is because they don't have expertise inside of their own walls or, you know, with, within the organization, even if it's virtual, that's the role that a consultant can play. So really knowing what you want to be known for and focusing on that expertise and what you want to develop, that's really one of the key um, kind of steps that any consultant should take in order to uh, attract more ideal clients and also be able to, to charge and, and support premium fees.
2: mm mm-hmm. And does in your methodology or your approach, do you talk about scaling?
1: A lot. Yeah, we have a lot of clients who are in that exact place where, you know, they start off leaving the corporate world or nonprofits or whatever it might be. Uh, They start their their business as a solo consultant. They build it up. You know, they're generating now solid six figures or high six figures. And they want to get to that million dollar and you know several million dollar and and beyond and start building more team or adding more team members. Um, So yeah, we work a lot with clients on how to go about doing that. But a key thing in, in our belief and our approach is that scaling needs to be done very strategically. It's not just about throwing more people or more services or you know, it's not just about more revenue and these other kind of metrics that can often be vanity metrics. It's, I, we have a real, real belief that the consulting business that you scale and grow and build should support your lifestyle and not the other way around. Very often you'll see business owners that uh, they will think and plan what they want in terms of their business but they have to make all these sacrifices personally in order to achieve that success in their business, and that to me is is really counterproductive. It's much better to get very clear about what kind of lifestyle do you want to have, what's what's fulfilling for you, what do you want to create, and then based on that, structure and uh, and strategically kind of take your business, your consulting business, and position a way to support that lifestyle that you want to have. So Michael, this is fantastic. No, why do you believe the scarcity
0: mindset has consultants doing more than they should themselves? And based on Ashka's question there about scarcity, and how does this hold them back from growing their business?
1: Yeah. I think the, the big opportunity that most consultants have, especially if you are a smaller firm or independent consultant is to really understand where do you create the most value? Right. If you're right now doing everything inside of your business, or if you're doing, you know, a lot more than you should be doing, what that means is that you're spending time on a lot of low value work. And you might feel like that's stuff that you should be doing because you know your business the best. You might feel like you should be doing that because maybe you don't have as much cash flow or revenue coming in, in your mind to support bringing on additional people. But it's very hard to grow a business or to add additional growth levels and layers to a business if you're already inside of an established one, if you're spending your time on things that don't create a lot of value. So every consultant has a massive opportunity to identify where they're spending their time right now and to categorize those things by the level of value that is being created through those activities. And then once you've done that, your goal should be to to delegate or delete or, or remove or pause anything that is low value and really start shifting more and more of your time to things that are higher value. So I'll give some more concrete examples of this. Let's say that you're a consultant right now, and not only are you doing the consulting work, but maybe you're also doing research, maybe you're also doing all your bookkeeping, maybe you're the one sending the invoices, maybe you're the one designing your PowerPoint slides, maybe you're the one updating your website, like the list goes on, right? Those are all things that might need to happen, or in many cases do need to happen inside of a business, but they're not things that are high value, because for you as a consultant, And if you're a founder, then things that for you are high value are actually going out and having high value conversations with high level buyers, uh, right? Negotiating deals, landing engagements, maybe it's doing the work, creating the thought leadership, but it's not updating your slides and it's not doing your bookkeeping or sending your invoices or, you know, playing with graphics. So when a consultant is in that position, once you've identified what is high value and what is low value... But the next thing is to shift your mindset because the scarcity mindset will tell you, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit longer until I get a bit more revenue or I'm going to land one more client and then I'll start delegating this stuff. You know, maybe I should hold off a bit more because I can do it faster. I know it really well, right? The challenge with that mindset is that, again, that's a scarcity mindset. And people who have a scarcity mindset are almost always the ones who really find it hard to grow their businesses. People who have more of the abundance mindset look at it and go, okay, yeah, I know that it's going to cost me some money to delegate this stuff or to offload this or to bring in somebody else to help with this. But they see it not as a cost, they see it as an investment. And a very simple way to to kind of illustrate this through math is, let's just say, so I'm I'm not a big proponent of of hourly fees, but let's just say that you figured out that your hourly value is $250 an hour. Well, you might have a whole bunch of activities that right now are lower value work for you. And if you look at, well, what would it cost me to go out and get somebody else to do that work? Maybe you say, I could find an exceptional person for $50 an hour. Well, so now $50 an hour, right? you can find some amazing people to do stuff for you. What that means is that every hour that you are doing that low value work right now, you're actually losing $200 an hour, right? Because your value is $250. You can get somebody to do it for 50 which means that if you can get somebody to do it for 50, you can now go out and land more of that high value work that creates 250 or more. But the scarcity mindset person is only focused on these things as costs. They're not looking at the investment and the return on investment potential. Once you allow yourself to invest into yourself, once you allow yourself to see the bigger picture and to see that by actually removing low value work, it allows you to do higher value work. And that higher value work is ultimately what allows you to grow the business just, a, a, you know, a range of possibilities become, um, you know, they land in front of you.
2: Well, no, the least of which is just enjoying your work more.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%, right? And then like, why, why are we doing what we're doing if we're not enjoying the work that we're doing? So, and I mean, that really goes back to the part around, around value. If somebody says, well, no, I absolutely like, love sending invoices. It just, it lights me up. <laughs> okay, like maybe do a bit of that. But they're in... We almost always see, as we do these kind of analysis with clients, that there will be many activities and many places where people are spending time that is not a truly good use of their time, especially because we all have a limited amount of time um, you know, that we're contending with. Absolutely. And to bring it together from what you mentioned earlier about niching down with your markets
0: and, and becoming a trusted advisor, it also would provide you more time to connect with other trusted advisor consultants, which then can propel your Your practice. Just a quick thought on that, uh, as we're you know spending your time with people who are like-minded in that sense, where they're not scarcity, but they actually are 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 specialists in their field. Just a quick
1: thought on that, if you could share that with us. I mean, I think it's huge. So it's this, James, is one of the reasons why for for many years, you know, probably a decade plus now, um, we've always invested into our. You know, into our own coaches and mentors and programs and people and masterminds and different groups that, you know, we ourselves invest in. We, we also offer these for our clients and so forth, but we believe that you need to, to do it for yourself, right? Like if we're going to talk about the benefits of it. We need to also realize the benefits of it. And for me personally, surrounding myself with people who are at a higher level that I can learn from, not only does it allow me to, to learn some of the best practices of what they've been able to achieve and how they got to where they are. But there's also, you'll find and this is not only in the business sense, you can, you know, it's in sports or any, anything that you're looking to improve in. When you surround yourself with, with people that have already been there and done that, it also gives you a lot of motivation. Like you get a lot of energy because you see things, you see possibilities that you didn't know existed before, right? It opens up your mind. And all of a sudden, you, you may have been thinking, you know, it's really challenging for, for us to add an extra $300,000 this year to our business. Well, you talk to somebody else, they're looking to add $3 million to their business. And what's interesting is that in some cases, adding 3 million is not that much harder than adding 300,000 if you know what to look for. And so there might be some, you know, a couple of levers that you can pull or maybe even one that has exponential kind of opportunities and and results, but you're just not seeing it because you're in, you know, you are where you are today. So the way I've kind of, I look at this and I learned this many years ago is that what you have today is the direct result of what, you know, of what you have created and where you've been thinking where you want to go, right, that requires doing different things. Otherwise, you'd already be at that next place. So it's really important to surround yourself with people and opportunities and education that allows you to see bigger opportunities and to therefore know what the potential is that you might not even be seeing today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the, um, well, it's one of the benefits that, that I've seen as I've gone out of my own and set up my own consulting practice and, uh, in, in joining a community like the CMC community. And, and on that note, um, Michael, uh, thoughts that you might have on, uh, for consultants on designations like the CMC designation mm-hmm. in terms of, um, in terms of, 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 uh, building, growing, uh, their business.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll say that first of all, uh, I have respect for you know everyone who decides to invest uh, in themselves and in their business uh, and to really uplevel their their skills. I think the, the learnings that someone receives through a certification like CMC uh, can be a great way to actually become a better consultant, uh, right? To to learn skills. Uh, to learn best practices, to learn approaches and to surround yourself with a community of other like-minded people, uh, I think is, is a really great thing. You know, the, the opportunity that that I see that presents itself for anyone that has any kind of certification yep. is that a certification by itself doesn't bring you clients. And so I think that that's one thing that it's important for any consultant to know that you can have all kinds of acronyms after your name yes. or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's valuable, right? It's a, it's a tool in your tool belt and it will help you to become a better consultant. Again, you get the community aspect, but one tool is typically not enough to get the full job done. And so yeah. this is where understanding that the way I view this is a certification, again, helps you become a better consultant. Um, you, you add that, like it's certification, let's say, plus knowing how to market and get clients, those two things. Is a, is a really powerful combination. So we always encourage people, whether it's uh, a certification or any kind of edu- you know executive education that helps you to become better, helps you to better understand your industry, uh, fantastic. And then make sure that you're also, you're getting out of the building and learning how to market and get clients and have a strategic plan to actually grow your business.
2: Yeah, and then being really selective about where you are doing your own learning and development, right? Like you said, it's not about the 50 designations. It's about you know, what, what community is going to help me grow my business who, you know, what brand from a designation yep. do I want to be attached to, um, in addition to the learning and, and all of the, those things that are inherent in, in earning a designation. Um, yeah. And then just a commitment, a, de- a, demonstration that you have a commitment to your craft, which I think is like, feels like an old school concept. Um, we live in a world of like hacks and shortcuts and, you know, how do I get to the top the fast I can? There's, There's a piece around just like, you know, working towards, towards your craft. And I think there's so much of what you talked about today that's super aligned with that. Great. All right. Um, As we close out then, Michael, any, um, just if you were to recap the top pieces of advice that you would give to consultants looking to start and grow their, their consulting business, what would that be? Yeah.
1: So number one, right. Counterintuitive, but get very clear about who your ideal client is. And this is true. Not only for the new consultant, uh, but even for, you know, we see this with firms that are generating millions of dollars, uh, you know, even in in profit per year, that there's almost always an opportunity to further refine and further focus in on your, you know, your dream client. Um, Once you've done that, then connect it to your magnetic message and make sure that you have a message that speaks to that ideal client that, um, you know, targets who they are how you help them, what problems you help them to solve, what kind of results you can create for them. Uh, that'll help you in most cases to create more conversations. And the third part is make sure that you're, again, getting out of the building. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to leave your house, right? In today's day and age, you can accomplish a lot of stuff from, from your desk or, or virtually, but it does mean that you you need to get out there, right? Yeah. You need to make sure that your ideal clients know that you exist and uh, and doing that in a relevant way, whether it's through you know sending messages having conversations, putting out um articles or p- getting on podcasts, finding a way that through content to demonstrate your expertise and deliver value to the marketplace is one of the most effective ways for you to actually start having more of those inbound leads. And kind of to James's point earlier, reaching that tipping point where you start seeing people coming to you rather than you having to go to them, that comes from content. But that all needs to be connected back to really identifying who your ideal client is and making sure that you're speaking to them so that they know Uh, who you are and what you stand for and how you can help them.
2: Awesome. And then finally, if people want to reach out to you uh, to learn more uh, about consulting success, um, how do they reach you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. We also have the Consulting Success podcast if they want to uh, listen to more podcasts and then home to everything that we do in terms of articles and studies and newsletters and resources for consultants. uh, Consultingsuccess.com is home to all that.
2: Fantastic.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for listening to our podcast brought to you by CMC Canada. CMC Canada administers and its provincial institutes confer the Certified Management Consultant designation in Canada. And the Certified Management Consultant CMC designation is the profession's only international certification recognized in over 40 countries. You can learn more about what it takes to earn your CMC and all the benefits that come along with joining CMC Canada on our website, cmc-canada.ca. If you are a fan of the Your Expert Advantage podcast, tell someone about us or leave us a rating in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Thank you all for listening. And if you like this podcast, you can access your complete library of Your Expert Advantage podcast by Googling Your Expert Advantage podcast or searching your favorite podcast provider apps and websites.